Mark's open secret. We're in Mark chapter 10. I've entitled this morning, What Do We Want God to Do? It's a good question. What do we want God to do? Start with a couple of questions this morning. Um, do you ever feel like <laughs> the world is just changing so fast and you're trying to find your place? Is anybody here? Right? Yeah, I mean, everybody should be like, oh, I'm with you, Pastor. This happens in all kinds of ways. Some of them are difficult and conflicting and bewildering and scratch our head for days and weeks. Others are just little more aha moments. I had a little aha moment this week in the midst of the larger scratch my head, how does this happen uh, moment. So I'm watching, I'm watching a human interest story on one of the TV channels, and it kind of blew my mind. It's something that I wasn't quite ready for, although I've seen it coming for a while. Now, you got to go back, because when I started in ministry, not that many years ago, but a few now, uh, weddings, right? People were getting married. Where would they get married? In church. Where do they get married now? Everywhere else, right? So there's been this already this movement. So I'm watching this human interest story on the cable, uh, one of the cable channels, and it was highlighting a new wedding planning company and the way in which they offered their service to the young married couple to plan the wedding, right? And it was totally different than back in our day in 19... When we got married, right? And they were talking about how it's all done electronically now and it's all done digitally now and there's no mailed out... Uh, invitations any longer. This is done all by email and text and digital, and, and that's the invitation list. Everything now is totally different, totally complete, and that's just the logistics of it. They went on to talk about the wedding itself. We have this lovely destination location in this exotic, tropical place. Bring your group of guests, and we'll place you out in this middle of the field. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. So I'm, I'm with them. But then it started to get really strange for me. The bride wasn't going to walk down the outdoor center aisle. The bride now was going to fly in on a single-engine, double Thing, airplane, and that's the center aisle, the landing strip, and the bride's going to get out of the airplane and walk and meet her, her groom, and some of you have this, if somebody here has this dream for a wedding, more power to you, walk down the center aisle, exchange their nuptials, it doesn't stop there though, the photography was going to be totally different, not only were there going to be still shots of the actual event down below, you know, real life, still shots. There was actually going to be moving photographs. And a drone was going to film your wedding from up on high so that you could capture in real time all of its angles. How you doing? You know, and I'm a dad of three daughters, only one of which is married, and I'm thinking to myself, I hope my two unmarried daughters did not see this, because I'm not paying for that. That is just not 
going to happen, no matter how much we love our kids. I can't paint enough houses for that to become a reality. But I, I got to be honest with you, as I'm watching this story unfold, I'm thinking to myself, what is, wait a minute, what is happening here? The kind of world is, the world is kind of that way, isn't it? Okay, so from the more humorous to perhaps the more poignant, do you ever feel like the world is changing so quickly, quickly that God doesn't see you, that God does not hear you, that God is walking by? We have a great little story today in the text. Uh, it's only six verses long. But it's one of those stories that you have to envision yourself actually there. Uh, I've been struggling all week with how's the best way to do this in the time that we share together. Um, it's, it's, it's the story of the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Now Bartimaeus, in the scriptural story in Mark, he's the only person in the entire Synoptic Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who gets healed, and we know him by name. Only one. So all the healing narratives and stories, the only name of a person that we're given is Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus. Timaeus, his father, his name means the one who was ransomed. If you were here last week, remember Jesus is the one who ransoms us through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. So there's probably something going on in Mark's narrative to tether this together. But it's a fascinating story because here we have Bart. Bar means son of Timaeus, the one who was ransomed by God. The only name that we know in the entire New Testament of somebody that got healed. And he's the only person who gets healed by Jesus who stays along and follows him. I love this story. I hope you can tell. I hope you will too. This is the last healing that Mark's going to do in the Gospel of Mark. Because the rest of the Gospel of Mark is the movement into Jerusalem, the passion narrative, and the resurrection. And we get to know the name of the one who is healed, and he's a guy who thinks the world is passing him by. The story is thick with drama. And as we read it in a few moments, we're not quite there yet. I really want you to envision yourself as one of the characters. Perhaps it's Bartimaeus. Perhaps it's even Jesus. Perhaps it's one of the disciples, or perhaps it's this crowd that's following along. I don't want to tell you which of those to choose, but perhaps if you're feeling like the world is changing too quickly and you can't find your way, if you feel... feel like God doesn't even notice you anymore? Imagine what if this is like to be Bartimaeus. In these six verses, there's movement from the margins to the center. There's movement from the neglected to the noticed. From the abused to the adored. From seeking Christ 
to being sought by Christ, from sad to solicited, from grief to grace, from hell to hope, from outside to inside, from no sight to eyesight to insight, from nuisance to nurture, from nameless to named, from shadow to light, from just an it on the side of the road to a human being, from a bystander to a disciple, from a grumbler who groans for money to being gainfully employed, from disabled to being differently abled, from beside of the road to walking with Christ on the road of discipleship. It's a great story. And in the midst of all of this, there's a profound question that Jesus is going to ask. What do you want me to do for you? So let me read the story. Then they came to Jericho. Now, Jericho is the oldest city in antiquity. Which gives me hope because it doesn't matter how old the church has been. It doesn't matter how old I am or you are. We can always respond to the call of Jesus Christ to be disciples of Jesus Christ. In deeper and in more profound and open ways to the power of the Holy Spirit unleashing in the world right now. Even though it seems like it's changing ridiculously quickly. So they come to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, now picture this, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Dude, knock it off. It's Sunday morning. When I was in my office, I, 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 I was envisioning this. I've been thinking about this all week. If this happened today... Like right out here? <laughs> I was envisioning what, what the scene might be like. Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me as we're all marching into the church. Oh, hey, man, there's a homeless dude. He's begging. What are we going to do? I don't know. Let's call some of the ushers. Hey, ushers, hey, there's a homeless dude. He's begging. What are we going to do? I don't know. Let's go get pastor. <laughs> but there would certainly be an element to help subside the agitation, wouldn't there? There would be some of us, if not all of us, myself included, who would be, hey, dude, we're getting ready to have worship. We've got a lot of stuff going on. The microphones aren't working right. You know, this, that, and the other thing. Can you kind of be quiet? It's, it's, it's throwing me off. It's throwing me off my game. And if it didn't stop, maybe a call to the local peace officers.
Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. In the text, it says Jesus was stopped cold in his tracks. Walking along, boom. He just stops. So they call to the blind man who's sitting on the side of the road and can't see. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. And you got to love this. He throws his cloak to the side. Right? Now the cloak was the outer garment. And it was probably, I wasn't planning on doing this, but here I go. It was, it was probably laying on the ground like that and he was begging and money would go inside. You can't see, Right? So here's a blind guy begging, coke down, keeping warm, which, by the way, you really, Jericho is a very warm city. You hardly ever would need a cloak, ever. Remember? <laughs> ever. And it gets so dramatic, he throws his cloak to the side, and he jumps to his feet, and he runs to Jesus. He just runs. Now, this is a blind guy. He's not going to go back and find his cloak and cash. He leaves everything behind, and away he goes. Totally dramatic. I love this story. Caution to the wind. Gone. And he gets up because he knows who this is. And this profound question Jesus asks. Blind Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asks. And the blind man says, Rabbi, teacher, son of God, I just want to see you. Can I please just see you? Go. Go, Jesus says. In this profound statement, your faith has healed you. And true to Mark and form, no waiting. Immediately, he receives his sight. Oh, Alfredo, that's what you look like. Whoa. That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, that's what you got, baby. And look at this. Immediately he receives his sight and he follows Jesus, key phrase now, along the road. Is this story awesome? To me, this story is just absolutely awesome. Six verses. Six verses and it's the power of discipleship. And it's looking right at each of us in a world where it's so easy to think, we exist and the world goes by, changes so quickly. I have nothing to offer anymore. Where did it go? Where's my church? That's even the wrong question. The question isn't where's my church. The real question is where's Jesus? Is Jesus in this thing? I'm going to kick it all to the side and away I go. Follow on the road. And this is not, this is not a sentimental road. 
This is not a nostalgic road. Because you remember where this road is headed? This road is headed up the hill. I'm enough OCD that I can't leave my vest on the floor. This road, hi, how you doing? This road is headed up to Jerusalem for crucifixion. It's not an easy road. There's nothing easy about followership. There's nothing easy about discipleship. For discipleship to be real, it's going to cost, including our lives. Wow. That's the road. Many travel it, but only few walk into it. This morning, I think every single one of us can lean our story deeper into Christ's story by following just five simple instructions, and I'm going to pull them out and talk quick. We can all lean our story deeper into Christ's story by following these five instructions of deep, deep discipleship. Deep. Not veneer, not surface. Not a feel-good road. It's going to cost. First thing I want to pull out is look what he did. He stepped out of the shadows, didn't he? He stepped out of the shadows. He stepped out of the shadows. He stopped playing the victim. He just, he just, he took a, he took a bold step of faith. He stepped out and he left everything. He left his cloak behind. He's not going back for it. He couldn't find it. How's he going to see it? Unless he's healed. Then go back and get it. But basically, in that moment, he's getting up and he's leaving all that behind. Everything that he's always known, everything he's always done, because there's some better offering right in front of him. It's called Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. He steps out of the shadows. Whoa. Secondly, he calls out to Jesus for mercy. Very important in our, in our political scenario right now. In life in the United States of America right now, who do we call out to for salvation? Who is the person we're calling out to? Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Hey, quiet. Don't talk like that. You're embarrassing us. You're marginalizing us even more. And don't you love Bartimaeus at this point? He talks even louder. He's like, forget you, pal. And he, and he yells for Jesus' attention even louder a second time. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus stops dead cold in his tracks. Boom. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not for the well-meaning. It's for the desperate. It is. It's for us to just run and cling and hang on and never, ever let go. And embedded in this is, is his leaving it all aside. He just chucked it. He left everything that he had. Right there. Gone. I, I can let it go. There's a better road to travel. And my guess is we all have something to leave behind. Fourth, 
chorus. Ready? You okay? Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see you for the first time. Some of us have seen Jesus multiple times, but we've tabernacled those times in history past to the extent that, we, that we're unable to see Jesus anew again in the present. That's an unhealthy, immature, on the side of the road, victimized kind of faith. Jesus simply says, go. Your faith has saved you, is the real word in the original language. I think in the NIV that we read, it says, your faith has healed you. Yeah, it's a little stronger than that. It's sozo. Sozo is a word for salvation. And it's a really broad word, sozo. It means forgiveness of sin and healing from all that holds one back. It's that big and broad. I have a friend who started a wine label called Sozo. Seriously. And the business plan around the wine Sozo is for every, either depending on your venue, glass of wine or bottle of wine that you buy, a certain percentage of that goes to homeless shelters uh, and to help those in need. Why? Sozo. Isn't that fascinating? Where else have we seen this question recently? What do you want me to do for you? What's that? Yeah. Any of you here last week? So all you got to do, if, you're, if you actually have your Bible with you, it's just, in my Bible, it's literally the same column. You just got to go right back up, uh, about 10 verses. Remember James and John, sons of Deb- Zebedee, came to Jesus? Because they're headed into Jerusalem, and James and John pull Jesus aside, and they, they, want, you know, they want a backstage pass. And they say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever you ask. He's setting Jesus up. And Jesus asks the exact same question. What do you want me to do for you? And notice the different response of James and John to the question, what do you want me to do for you? When Jesus asks James and John, what do you want me to do for you? They say, we want power and prestige to be noticed and to get our way. And Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus wants nothing to do with this. Bartimaeus only wants to see, are you ready? Jesus. Fascinating juxtaposition. One of, the, one of the reasons I like the disciples is cause just because they're, they're duh disciples. <laughs> I mean, they really are. They're just duh disciples. Right, man? Seriously? We've been following you guys and Jesus. And then here's, here's just a guy inserted for six verses into the story and totally gets it. Without any of the other previous history. Love. It just makes me 
comforted. <laughs> okay, last thing. We, we all have to remember that the way, the way of following Jesus Christ, the road to Jerusalem, the road of discipleship, is the way of a good struggle. It's the way of a good struggle. It's not easy, never, been, never meant to be. It's not about how I feel. It's not, about a, it's not about a sentimentalized, sanitized, stripped-down version of gospel. It's a, it's a strong gospel that is so-so to all people. It's a treacherous way. It's the way of the cross. It costs everything. So, friends, faith that does not lead to deep discipleship, I mean Deep disciples. I'm talking Bartimaeus kind of followed Jesus and learned from Bart. Faith that doesn't lead to deep discipleship is not faith. Whoever asks of Jesus must be willing to follow Christ, even uphill to a crucified cross. To me, that's good news in chaotic times. It tells us what the right expectation ought to be at the beginning of every march. This road leads to struggle. But that is Friday. And in the words of Tony Campolo, Sunday will soon be here. Let's pray. Great text. Great story. May it be more than a great text and a great story. May the text and the story... Transform persons, churches, communities, nations, the world. Lord, with absolutely no tongue in cheek, come, Lord. Jesus, come.